preaching text for this morning is found in Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. <clears throat> All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, uh, we are now in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, we're not right at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. You notice we started on verse 18. Uh, so we skipped the first 17 verses, but next week we'll get those first 17 verses. And we'll talk a little bit about, more about Matthew as a whole uh, next week. But this week, of course, the focus is Christmas. This is Matthew's uh, account of Jesus' birth. This is Matthew's Christmas story right here in these seven or eight verses here at the end of chapter one of his gospel. Now, you may have noticed that it feels a little different or it seems a little different than uh, some of the other Christmas stories uh, or, or some of the ways that we celebrate Christmas. I, I mean, so as you read these uh, seven or eight verses, what did you notice uh, that's here in Matthew's telling of Jesus that maybe was a little different than you'd expect it to be? Anything that you noticed? Yeah. Yeah, we hear about Joseph's feelings. Usually we focus on Mary uh, when we think about uh, the Christmas story. But here, here we hear Joseph's uh, experience of uh, uh, finding out about this pregnancy. Yeah, what else? What else did you notice here? Here's another way of asking it. What didn't you notice? What's missing? There's a lot missing, isn't there? Yeah, so what's missing? What, what are some things that you know are in the story that we didn't hear anything about in our reading this morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he was born, right? It happened, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're told that he was born, but there's not really any details. So what are those details we're missing? There's no shepherds. There's no location. We don't know where they are. What was this over here? There's no wise men. Now, there will be wise men if we go on into chapter 2, but they're not right there at the birth. Yeah, what else? There's no star. There, again, there will be in chapter 2, but not yet. We haven't heard it yet. Yeah. There's no manger. There's no stable, there's no animals, there's no traveling, right? You know, there's this, uh, this traveling from uh, the north to the south. None of those details are given. Now, all four of the Gospels, they have their own uh, particular ways of telling the story of Jesus, right? We have four Gospels because there's four different perspectives here, and we found those all valuable, and the church from the very beginning found all of these valuable, uh, and these are here preserved together in our, our scriptures for us to hear the story of Jesus in four different ways. 
And they all tell uh, the Christmas story a little differently. Uh, So Mark, for example, doesn't have a Christmas story at all. He starts his gospel with John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. That's for him where the story uh, really needs to start being told. John's gospel, you remember about this time last year, uh, John starts his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him. John has this, you know, this uh, as high up, high level as you can get, this sort of Christmas story. In fact, John's whole Christmas story comes 14 verses after the first verse of his gospel where he says, the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory. Uh, And so you didn't even know necessarily that this was a baby if you just read John's gospel. Luke's uh, story uh, is uh, all of his long chapter one. It's 80 verses plus uh, the first 20 verses of chapter two, all leading up to the birth of Jesus. That's where we hear about shepherds, the host of heaven uh, singing glory in the highest. That's where we hear about Mary being uh, receiving the news in the, of the angel. Uh, that's where we hear the promise of John the Baptist being born. Remember Elizabeth in her old age uh, bears uh, this cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist. Um, all of that's in Luke's gospel. There's there's details galore. We hear about this taxation uh, registration that has to happen. So they have to go from Nazareth in, in the north down to Bethlehem in the south. Uh, it takes, I counted uh, this morning or added it up, and it takes uh, 92 verses, I think, for Luke to tell this story. And Matthew tells it in eight. And here it is. Matthew's gospel uh, just seems to have a little bit of a different focus. Now, what Matthew's telling of the Christmas story has that Luke's doesn't have is Joseph's perspective. So if you went through and you read uh, all of Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, Joseph doesn't do much. In fact, I think about the only thing that Joseph does is he has to go and register. So he's the reason uh, that Mary has to travel when she's pregnant. Um, but that's, uh, otherwise, it's everything else is what Mary is doing. You know, Mary gets this word from the angel uh, we heard in the children's reading. Uh, Mary says, I am, here I am, I'm the servant of my Lord, let it be to me according to your will. Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, Mary has this wonderful uh, poetic song that she sings when uh, her cousin Elizabeth confirms this message from the angel that this child is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Mary uh, is the one who gives birth. Mary's the one who wraps him in clothes. Mary's the one who lays him in the manger. It's very much Mary's perspective. Matthew seems to have interviewed Joseph, on the other hand, and not Mary. What does Mary do in our reading? Well, uh, she was found to be pregnant. That's something, I'm not sure that you do that, but she was found, and she bears a son. Otherwise, Joseph is the one who does everything else in this. I don't know if you you notice that, but you know, Joseph is the one who's uh, unwilling to expose her to disgrace. He's the one who's thinking about dismissing her quietly, trying to find some way that will uh, not expose her to the danger, because frankly, uh, to be exposed as an adulterous woman was very uh, dangerous at that time. Uh, he doesn't want to expose her to that danger. Uh, he uh, is the one who has the dream. He's the one who names him Jesus. Uh, you notice there at the end, uh, he uh, does everything that the Lord commands him. Joseph is really the doer in uh, Matthew's telling of it. And it's only in Matthew's telling that we get any sense of how Joseph feels about it, that Joseph had this plan of uh, trying to dismiss her quietly. Uh, If we only had Luke's account, we wouldn't really know anything about Joseph, except that apparently he had to go to Bethlehem uh, to be registered, to be taxed. Now, this is a little bit stereotypical. I'm going to stereotype just a little bit. Um, And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think that Matthew's telling of the Christmas story 
is sort of a typically male telling of the Christmas story. So stick with me here, and you can tell me later if this bears out with your experience or not. But if you think about new parents, uh, if you, you know, a new, a new father and a mother who just had their first baby child, and you go in, you know, a few weeks later, and you ask, you know, what was the birth like? Now, if you turn to the mom and you ask her what the birth is like, she'll say, well, you know, I hadn't been feeling well for several days and I'd sort of been feeling things moving and I was wondering if it was my time and I was kind of worried about the drive to the hospital. You know, it's a ways away and then my water had broken and so I tried, you know, to convince my husband that it was time to go and he wasn't quite sure, but we went. And uh, then we got in and, and we had to walk around for a while once we got there and it took just longer than we thought and then the birth came but then he was just so lovely when he was born and you should have seen his little thing and his eye. So this is the sort of story that you'll probably get. Now, if you ask the, the, the dad uh, what the birth story was like, you might hear something more along the lines of this. Well, the game was on. <laughs> but, uh, but she said that the baby was coming, and so we went to the hospital, and he was, and, and there he was, and everything went good. So yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, right? I mean, so you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but you can tell me if that lines up with your experience or not. But to me, Luke's account of the Christmas story is Mary's account. It's the mother's account. It has all of the details, the travel, you know, this, you imagine uh, having to travel the 70 or 80 miles, however it is, on foot in your third trimester of pregnancy. Uh, you know, it, that, that's an, a, a traumatic experience, having to give birth in a stable, laying in a manger. And what's Joseph's account? Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, I was a little worried about it because the pregnancy kind of caught me off guard. Uh, but then he was born and uh, the angel came and it was all fine. You know, and so he kind of forgets everything else that happens. <laughs> but there's something amazing about this story in the ordinariness of it. I mean, it's not a, it's not a very, uh, you know, I mean, Luke's story is so dramatic, right? And it's, there's, there's so much going on, and there's these, these, these poems and songs that are there. And Matthew's is sort of just the facts. Um, but really, what's the central kind of conflict in the way that Matthew tells the story? It's Joseph's feeling about discovering this pregnancy. So if you put the Luke and the Matthew stories together, uh, Mary hears about, the angel tells her she's going to be pregnant, and then almost immediately she goes and she spends three months with her cousin Elizabeth, uh, who's in uh, the later stages of pregnancy with John the Baptist. Uh, and then she comes back after three months. So if you put that together with Matthew's story, it's when she comes back after being away for three months that she is found to be pregnant. And this is when Joseph discovers this. And you can imagine his concern, right? They've been betrothed, uh, they are engaged, they have not been married yet, and she's been gone three months and now she's pregnant. And Joseph doesn't quite know what to do about this. He doesn't want to expose her to disgrace. And we're told he's a righteous man, he cares about Mary, he cares about her well-being. But he's been betrayed, or so he thinks. Uh, and he, you know, she's got this story about an angel and the Holy Spirit, and you know, he's not quite sure what to make of it. But uh, he's going to send her. He's going to send her away somehow. He's going to try and try and dismiss this quietly. But Joseph is hurt, I imagine here. Joseph has been betrayed, as far as he knows. And so God sends an angel. And it's not a host of heavenly, you know, host glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill among men. It's an angel to Joseph in a dream to comfort a man who thinks he's been betrayed by his fiancée, a man who thinks he's been cheated on. 
to tell him, this is okay, this really is from God. I mean, there's something just so kind of ordinary about this angel's message that God would take the time to come and care also for Joseph. Now, of course, God's caring for Mary, right? God's protecting Mary by letting Joseph know that this really is from God, but God is also caring for Joseph. Now, Christmas time, of course, is a holiday when we spend time with family. And as we all know, in every family, no matter uh, even the most perfect of families, uh, there is conflict and there is mistrust and there is betrayal and there is difficulty. And one of the promises of Matthew's telling of the Christmas story here for us, I think, is that God sees that and God cares about that. That God is Emmanuel, God with us, even in the midst of chaotic family relationships. Even the most perfect marriage, even the most perfect family has, uh, has these uh, betrayals in it, has uh, these conflicts, these discomforts. And often at holidays like Christmas time, these things come out. There's these tensions there. At least you're reminded maybe of the people who aren't there for whatever reason this time. And of course, none of us have the most perfect of marriages, and none of us have the most perfect family. So even if there were perfect ones out there, they're not in this room. But God cares, and God is Emmanuel. Jesus Christ was born on Christmas to be Emmanuel, God with us. Even in the chaos of uh, everything that's going on in the, in the political world, even in the chaos of everything that's going on in our personal lives, in the chaos of hospital visits and uh, health questions and health scares, and in the chaos of broken relationships within our families, God is with us. That is the promise, that God is with you. For God keeps providing, especially through those people that God has put in your lives whether they're family members or friends or sometimes even strangers. God keeps providing. And God keeps promising through his word, especially through scripture, through prayer, through preaching, through the sacrament, the communion, and the promise of our baptism that we carry with us every day of our lives. God is with us, and God is with you. Amen.